Welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast. It is the holidays. It's a vibe. We're all feeling it. Hopefully not too much in our pants, but you know, mine are getting tighter. I don't know about yours. (laughs) We are (laughs) – I knew that would get you. We are talking to someone today who has won the hearts and minds of every sommelier in America, mine included, when she dropped her video on what your champagne says about you on Instagram. And I must have been sent this video, I don't know, at least a dozen times. I've subsequently sent it to like everyone that I know and shown it because I think it was like the first video that I've seen that was just such an honest representation from someone of like what your champagne truly says about you. And I highly encourage anyone who hasn't seen it to watch it. We'll link it below for you guys to see it. But please welcome to the show, Erin Darling, content creator, comedian, and seller of a podcast to Spotify. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, it means so much to me that people in the wine community actually liked and sent around my video. Like, what? We're a tough crowd. It means, I mean, (laughs) like, not that, not that, like, you need our approval or anything, but like, well done. Thank you. Well done. No, when I um actually first created that video, I was nervous to post it because, you know, as a comedian, I'm used to, you know, hate. <laughs> we we're sure. used to people like, you know, not agreeing with what we say. And especially like, you know, being a woman on the internet, you field a lot of random comments. And I just kind of assumed <laughs> this would be another one of people that were just like, uh, whatever. This girl's know she's talking about. But for some reason, uh- that video just really hit and I made a couple others and I'm shocked that people really, really like them. <laughs> well, I think they do because it's, it like I said, it's such an honest representation of, I think, what a lot of us are always thinking. Like, for example, if you haven't seen the video, I think, you know, Moet and Vuve are definitely called out in the first video <laughs> as being, you know, a little basic. Like, you know, you're drinking your pumpkin spice latte. I, as a drinker of pumpkin spice latte, I, you know, I'm here for it, but you know, your champagne selections do say a certain thing about you. But I think everyone who was in the wine industry was watching and they were watching a comedian do this and do it so well that we were like, wait, is this girl like in the industry? Like, does she do you? So do you work in the industry? How do you know champagne so well? That's a great question. And no, I don't. But I have definitely put my 10,000 hours in of drinking the champagne and wine. So um, I'm just a fan of the industry, to be honest with you. And all these brands I like, all these brands I've talked about, even when I make videos about like what your budget champagne says about you, it may seem like I'm making fun of a brand like Barefoot when I'm like, that you buy your bubbles in the same place you buy your toilet cleaner because you're that busy. I've been that busy, yes. you know? I've been that yes. consumer of the product. So I never talk about anything that I like straight up hate. Is there a champagne that you hate? You don't have to say what it is, but like... There are champagnes that I would not buy anymore because now, you know, I've, I'm doing a little bit better. But let's be honest, like as a comedian, it's tough. And sometimes... There were $200 in my my bank account, and I'm going to find the $7 bottle of wine from Trader Joe's. That's like a good deal, right? Instead of the bottle that I want to drink, which is Krug. (laughs) So I get it, right? I (laughs) feel. Yeah. (laughs) And. Okay, we have to keep that in because I feel like that just. That just surmised what's about to happen on the show. Did you, what did you knock over? What was that? that? Was, was it a cat my, or was it a microphone? My actual microphone <laughs> breaking. Oh, so amazing. my mic stand just malfunctioned completely. So I'll be holding well, the mic from here on out. This is this is good. Let me know if it sounds weird. 
what are you doing in your like day to day? Cause I know you're not just drink. I mean, I don't think that you're just drinking champagne, but I wish that would be nice. Um, <laughs> my day to day has been interesting. This has been a very interesting year for entertainment. I mean, we had a double strike. So, you know, right. as an, oh yeah, because you're a writer as well. Yeah, as a writer and performer, I've really just been on pause and have doing I've just been doing more content creation these days and you know, writing some stuff independently, doing content creation consulting, which is something else that I do. So it's been more uh focused on those projects right now because it's it's been a weird time. It's been very, very fearful, yeah. I think, for a lot of creatives because a lot of people didn't have income. And I think like even the restaurant industry here suffered because mm-hmm. people weren't spending money. Yeah. So there's a trickle down effect. That is true. Yeah. It's been a weird year in the entertainment world for sure. But like, I love that you've created this little Venn diagram for yourself of like, wine, comedy, writing, like all these things have kind of come together and like all of your passions have collided, which is very cool. Yeah. It's been a really fun little journey for me, especially because like wine, champagne, this has always kind of been a hobby for me. I grew up in Northern California. My parents love wine. So I was always kind of around it. And, Mm. you know, for my 21st birthday, like I'm sure I had a rager with my friends, but like really my parents took me wine tasting in Napa. So I got to go have that experience and learn about wine. And it's always just been something that my family's been into and that I've been into. But I guess I've never really delved into talking about it. Maybe I assumed it was kind of niche, but it's really not. It's not. I mean, it is if you like it's what you do for a living, but... That's very cool. I you're you're one of the few that I know who kind of grew up around wine. I I always wonder what it would be like to like, you know, grow up in Northern California and have your parents take you wine tasting. My first wine tasting was definitely not with my parents, and it was definitely not Napa. Really? Um, it was like some yeah. Well, I grew up on the East Coast. So it was like I think the first vineyard I ever went to was on Long Island, of course. Actually, no, the first vineyard I went to was around here in Pennsylvania. But yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't see like my first real vineyard until I was like. 25 or 26 when I went to France. Who took you to your first wine tasting ever? It was actually my mentor uh, who got me into wine in the first place. We were, we had, I forget exactly how it happened, but I was living in New York and there was like this event happening and he was like, oh, we're going to, I forget which one it was. It was like Channing Daughters or one of them up there. And so he said, let's go to a, a wine tasting. I looked around. I was like, this is so cool. I've never seen a barrel before in a vineyard. And everybody else is like, whatever, this is lame. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So I guess it was good that I started there. And then I like made my way out to Napa. Was that your moment where you're like, oh, I want to do this. This is my passion. Or what was that moment for you? No, my moment was drinking champagne with uh, scallops. Yes. It was, like, it was like food. It was, you know, it's all food related always. Aaron, let's talk about what's going on. In the wine world. Ooh, okay. I assume you're familiar with Jay-Z. Yes, I've heard of him once or twice. First of all, do we are we aware that Jay-Z is 54? Because when I read this headline, I was like, Jay-Z is 54? How old am I if Jay-Z is 54? Wait, how old is Beyonce if Jay-Z is 54? Beyonce is 27 and will always be 27. Yeah, pretty much. Let's be honest about that. <laughs> She's not aging ever. Never. <laughs> Jay-Z's celebrated his 54th birthday. In, speaking of wine tasting, Bordeaux, he and Jay Brown, co-founder of Rock Nation, rumor has it they went to, well, actually, we know that they went to Bordeaux, but rumor has it that they privatized 
the exclusive spa hotel Resource Dakota Lee for guests, which might I remind everyone I recommended to go to in our Bordeaux episode. I was like, if you're going to Bordeaux, totally has this spa hotel there. And I'm not saying that Jay-Z is a listener, but I'm also not not saying that he's a listener. He's totally a listener. He's totally a listener. He's Beyonce as well. Yeah. They listen to it together while drinking wine. First of all, interesting choice, Bordeaux. Second of all, if you were to go on an all-expenses-paid trip to any wine region for your next birthday, where would you go? Oh, my God. I love this question because it's something I would really want to do. And my birthday is actually next week. So if anyone wants to finance <gasps> this, including Jay-Z, we could do this real quick. Um, <laughs> but no, obviously, I would love to go to the Champagne region. And also another thing I would love to mm. do is like the Chateau Neuf de Pop area that's like yeah. my dad's favorite and I feel like that would be so fun to Aww. like bring my dad like let's go wine let's oh <laughs> wine tasting and he thinks it's like local like Santa Barbara and then we're like on a flight <laughs> going somewhere amazing so you've never been to Champagne or Chateauneuf no honestly I even lived in Paris for a while and I never made it <gasps> to this like the south or anything like that other than like you know I, I went to Marseille but I never spent enough time in wine region Oh, Erin, we have to change. This is this is your moment. We're getting you into the wine fold. We're going to get you on some trips. It's going to be great. Hopefully, we'll get to travel together. Absolutely. I'm down. But I've never been to Champagne either, and I'm, I keep trying to rectify it every year. Yeah. So maybe this is our year. 2024 bingo card, Champagne. That's a good uh, New Year's resolution. Bordeaux's nice. I've been to Bordeaux. I loved it. I think it's great that Jay-Z went there for his birthday. It would not. It's kind of a surprising choice, honestly, because it's – you know, it's a, it's a sleepy area. Like it's, I love going to Bordeaux, but like, you know, I don't, I think of Jay-Z as like partying it up with his boy. Like he founded Rock Nation, like, you know, celebrating his 50th birthday. Like, I don't know. It seems like a big party, but I guess if you rented out the entire spa, you could have your own party and not worry about what the rest of Bordeaux is doing. Absolutely. And also I feel like if you're Jay-Z, you've probably had every birthday that you could ever want and imagine. So at that point, it's Fair. like, well, why not? We just rent out this amazing place and just do it up and sure, Bordeaux, like spin the globe, put your finger on the map, <laughs> just go there. <laughs> it's probably done everything in the world. Let's go to something a little less sophisticated. Are you a fan of Doritos? Actually, yes. I love Salsa Verde <laughs> specifically. Is that a flavor of Dorito? Yes, it's the one in the green bag and it's incredible. I actually love them. <laughs> I'm not a hater of Doritos, but I don't like lose my shit over them the way that some people do. That said, apparently there is a Doritos flavored liquor and Food and Wine Magazine actually has positive feelings about this. <laughs> so before I tell you about this, I just want I want to I want to get your initial reaction. Doritos flavored liquor. Are you in or are you out? I'm so entertained by this. I mean, I have to know more clearly, okay. but yeah, I think I'm out initially because I don't see the appeal of a salty alcoholic beverage unless, you know, a spicy margarita. Maybe I could see like a spicy Doritos margarita. Ooh, crushed Doritos on the rim with some tahini. Like maybe that might be bomb. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Maybe you could get creative with like okay. it as a drink accessory, but I don't think I'm in on this in terms of like actually drinking it as a liquid. Okay. Let me tell you more about it and see if you change your okay. mind. So they have partnered with Doritos, has partnered with Empirical Spirits to release an 84 proof, that's 42% alcohol for those of you wondering, liquor that actually smells and tastes like the real thing minus the signature crunch, I'm quoting, thankfully, <laughs> which is to say- it's unlike any alcohol you've ever smelled or tasted before, and we don't mean that in a bad way. This is from Food & Wine magazine. So Empirical, 
the company was founded by Lars Williams, who is a former chef and self-avowed flavor expert who spent time at Noma and specializes in uncategorized spirits. They then go on to say that, indeed, one sniff of the spirit is enough to reveal its anchor ingredient. The bouquet is brimming with the unmistakable tang of, wait for it, cheese dust. But in the sip, it's all about the cornier elements. It leaves your palate with a drying note akin to what accumulates on your tongue after you've crushed a sizable bag of corn chips. In other words, it's maybe more Fritos than Doritos. How do you feel now? Oh my God. <laughs> Even worse. So they're going with the original like nacho cheese flavor. So it's is a cheese I guess. liqueur. Yeah. <laughs> 42% alcohol. Okay. I could see this blowing up. This is a flaming, flaming hot Dorito. <laughs> In, okay. I actually love those too, but I found out that uh, the red dye is really, really bad for you. So I might have to pause on my oh, love yeah. for flaming hots, but I could see this being a sleeper hit in certain crowds. For example, if I was going to a college party, and I mean, like, why the hell would I be going to a college party? But like, you know, let's just say I was there for some reason. I would definitely bring this as like my party favor. Like, let's check (gasps) this out. Good idea. Right? Like, it's a good conversation starter. It's kind of funny. I could see people being into it. I could see it being part of a hazing process for a fraternity even, you know? Like, there's some possibilities (laughs) for this. (laughs) It's the fireball whiskey of the next generation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something. I could see certain markets, people loving this. <laughs> College towns only. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm in or I'm out, but I appreciate that Food & Wine has brought it to our attention. I appreciate that they had an open mind about that. Well done, Food & Wine. And I hope that all of you listening also have an open mind about joining our podcast, Wine Club. How about that transition? That was good. Yes. All right. So <laughs> if you are not a member of the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast Wine Club, the longest name for a wine club in wine club history, this is your cue to do that. So we are drinking a delicious red blend today. We've had some other delicious red wines in the shipment. It's four wines that you're getting every other month. It's 120 bucks plus tax, but including shipping, and you're getting 10% off your purchase at Wine Access. So if you're not a member... I don't know what you're waiting for. We're heading into 2024. Take it off your plate. Let us choose the wines for you. Hang out with us. And when we come back, we'll be drinking the wine from the podcast. All right. See you guys in a second. We've got the 2020 Carol Shelton Coquille Rouge, which as someone, I won't name their name, point out to me. They're like, this wine name always makes me laugh. And I was like, (laughs) me too. I'm done. So This is a wine from the Central Coast. It is a blend of 34% Morvad, 20% Carignan, 20% Petite Syrah, 13% Alicante Boucher, and 13% Grenache Noir. Can you all repeat that after me? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tis the season for the blend. It's the holidays, which means we're trying to please a lot of palates. My recommendation is always go towards the blend. It seems to be like the most universally pleasing choice. And this one checks all those boxes. We're going to taste in just a second. My question to you, Erin, do you have like a go-to red wine during the holidays? Although it seems like your family's like very into red wine. So I, I feel like your holiday situation is not the same as mine. Super into red wines. My favorite red wine is 100% Grenache. <gasps> Ooh. I love it. That's from, I mean, California, Paso, the Rhone, the Paso region. Paso. Yep. <gasps> okay. Do you, have, do you have a favorite producer? I mean, I have a couple that I really love there, but um, Booker, makes this wine called The yes. Ripper, 100% Grenache. It's like mm-hmm. my favorite. I love it so much. I also love Law Estates there. 
I love a hundred percent Zen too, like a Turley Zen. I love big reds for sure. So this actually looks like this blend would be up my alley. I think it would definitely be up your alley. It's like, I would put it in the medium bodied camp. It's described as being like part Cote de Rome, part California mixed blacks, which is an old, old term that we used back in like post-prohibition for like, you know, all these varieties that were planted both pre-prohibition and post-prohibition that were, you know, very black skin in color and produced these very dark, inky wines. And they were always field blends. And so that's kind of what this is. It's like part Cote de Rome, part mixed blacks. And it's very juicy on the nose. And I have to say, I actually had this open in the fridge and I left for a trip. I was on the trip and my boyfriend texted me and he said, your parents really loved that Carol Shelton that was in the fridge. And I was like, that has been open for a literal week, but I'm so glad. And they're like, they could not get enough of it. It's like their favorite wine. So, I, you know, not that my parents are like the end all be all, but when it comes to like wine tasting, you know, critics, but I think that actually is a testament to to not only this wine at its start, but also like this is a wine that you can actually leave alone for a little while and it's still pretty good. But it's super juicy. It's very like – it's very intense but subtle at the same time, which for me is the holiday pleaser of the wines. Such a dichotomy. I know. I want the intense flavor, but I don't want my palate to be like weighed down. And I feel like that's kind of what this wine does. All right. We're going to jump back to that in a second. If you're drinking this wine, you don't need to decant it. You just need to serve it in a glass, serve it with a slight chill and grab something to snack on. Maybe a Dorito. Who knows? (laughs) We are going to be talking all things holiday entertaining at home. I know for a lot of you who are listening, this is like the season of having everyone in your home, trying to figure out what the hell's going on, trying to figure out what wines. My DM is flooded with what wine should I serve at my holiday dinner? Which wines are good with cheeses? And so we're going to talk about all of that today. But I have to start given our guest with bubbles. First and foremost, I think I know the answer to this question. Are you team Prosecco or team Champagne? I'm team Champagne, okay. but I love a good sparkling anything, to be honest. I think there's a lot of great Proseccos, Cavas, of even Lambruscos, which I think have gotten like, <gasps> yeah, you into it. I feel like they've gotten a bad rap 100%. in the wild, but I think there's so many good ones. It's underrated. <laughs> Yes, Lambrusco. We're here for it. That was actually on my list of like underrated sparklings that we're not talking. You know, everybody talks about Cava yeah. and Chicorda, but I still feel like despite the amount of times that I've talked about Lambrusco on this podcast, it, it still like doesn't get its due. Lambrusco, mm-hmm. a wine from, you know, if you are if you ever go to Modena, you go there to eat. You don't go there to drink necessarily, but that's Lambrusco land. And it can be produced in like any way possible. Everything from method ancestral to champagne method. It can produce it across colors. There's all different versions of Lambrusco. In fact, I think I talk about this in one of the podcasts at some point. But I love Lambrusco and I think it's one of the more food-friendly wines. And especially if you've got a lot of things on the table, you've got the sparkling component. A lot of times they have a little bit of sweetness, which is kind of nice. And then also you've got this red tannin component mm-hmm. that works if you've got any sort of animal protein. I love that you love Lambrusco. What turned you on to Lambrusco? I was doing a little bit of research because now people will ask me questions in my like TikTok and Instagram <laughs> okay, about wine related things. And I had someone ask me a question along the lines of, my friends really like sweet. They like these sweet wines. It's not okay. necessarily my thing. What can I get that would be a crowd pleaser? And I suggested Lambrusco. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think your crowd would really, really enjoy this because it kind of straddles that line. It's just, it's nice. Like it's a little bit sweeter than like a rosé. So I think that it would mm-hmm. be something that your crew would be into. And also you can get them at such good price points. 
it's hard to find a Lambrusco over like $25. Like they really don't exist above that price point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's definitely, like you said, totally an underrated gem. So I was doing a little bit of research to figure out how to answer this person's question. And and then I kind of was getting into Lambruscos for a second there. (laughs) I'm a fan. Along the same lines, have you ever heard of Bougie Sardin? No, tell me more. Okay. So this is another another one that like I can't believe the hipster crowd has not just completely latched onto. So Bougie Sardin is a sparkling wine made in the method, ancestral method. So there's always going to be, a, well, not always, usually going to be some residual sugar a la Lambrusco, but it's balanced, right? And so I'll back up by saying I was introduced to Bougie Sardin in New York when I was a Somme and somebody poured it for me. I was like, this is amazing. It's almost like Lambrusco, but it's a little bit lighter. It feels a little fruitier and it doesn't quite have like the drying astringency that that Lambruscos can sometimes have. Like it almost feels like more floral in some ways. It's made from – the one that I fell in love with is made from Gamay and Pulsard. So again, I don't know how the hipster community has not completely gravitated towards this. But anyway, in New York, I found this. I'm tasting it. It's great. I like bring it to the owner of the restaurant. I was like, I really want to put this in the wine list. And she's like, no, this is not – we're not putting this on the list. And I was like, whatever. You're crazy. I think this is delicious. But she said no. Flash forward three years later, I'm at three Michelin-starred restaurant Grace in Chicago doing their food and wine pairing menu – and what comes on the table with our Wagyu beef, <gasps> but the same $20 bougie Serdan that I had introduced in New York. Oh my yes. God. On the floor validation. There it was. <laughs> and ever since then, I was like, see, I knew. You knew. I felt so validated in that moment. Yeah. I knew. <laughs> they should have listened to you. Right. So this is a delicious sparkling wine that they served with the Wagyu. And I have to say it worked brilliantly with the dish because, you know, Wagyu is so rich and it's very salty and it's very fatty. And so it wanted that sparkling wine, but the sweetness of it actually worked really well with like the savoriness of it. So it was like this really interesting counterbalance. And I think for people who are going that route, like I know there's a lot of prime ribs on the table. I know there's a lot of like very salty meat, salty, fatty meats. I have to say, this is something that we've, we've done at Thanksgiving with prime rib and with turkey. It's really delicious and it's really inexpensive. Kermit Lynch imports it. Patrick Botex is the producer. And this is a wine that like I just think is absolutely fantastic and like Lambrusco still has not had its moment. So Okay, I think I'm gonna love this. I have to go check it out. And have it with like you can have it with me, but like have it with pizza, have it with cheese. Like the initial that I wanted to do with it was to have it with cheese, which is another topic that we're gonna talk about in a second. On the champagne front, since you are not not that we're anti-prosecco, because I do like Prosecco, and I think there's a there's a moment for Prosecco, especially like at brunch or like when you're when you're having it with things that are a little less serious, right? Prosecco tends to have a little less acidity, so it's slightly less parable than champagne is, usually a little fruitier. When it comes to champagne, what are your favorites? Like, give me your, like your top five that you're buying, not that someone is buying for you, that you're buying for yourself. What are your top five brands? I absolutely love, like I said, Krug always. It's definitely not an everyday champagne, but special occasion yes. that I'm buying for myself or that I gift people for a special thing, definitely Krug. I love Ambiacart, Samoms, one of my favorites. I like yes. the Soubois. Do you like the rosé or do you like the... Actually, you know, I actually mentioned them in my videos too. Yeah. Like the rosé here is having a moment in LA. Yeah. Like it's on, on every bougie, like wine-oriented, nice restaurant here. I love Louis Roederer. We love Roederer. Classic. 
Yeah, they did send me some stuff after I made my champagne videos, which was great. And some things that I didn't know that they produced, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, but like like my laptop right now is propped up in a box of Cristal (laughs) that I'm excited to drink at some point. Oh, yes, because lest lest we forget, Rotorer produces the Cristal. That is their tattoo cuvee. Yeah, but they do other things too that I'm like learning more and more about Mm -hmm. that I'm also really liking. What are your three favorite champagnes? Well, I'm Krug at the top of the list all day. You're Krug too? Yes. All day. Oh, all day. All day. And actually the the wine that we've, the other, so the second wine that we have today to me is like our suitor is sort of like Krug adjacent. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, Krug to me has always been like top of the food chain. Like, you know, it's like the one that you can find for the most part. Mm-hmm. That's like top of the food chain. Then I have other producers that are like grower champagnes, like the Pierre Peter is Le Chetillon. That's a vintage champagne that I think is spectacularly good. I love Enrio. They're just like their entry level for like, you know, a $45, $50 champagne. I think Enrio is really delicious. I thought it was so funny that you put Nicolas Foyette uh, at the end as like your last minute grab because I actually yeah. – so this – in her video, you do the like the, – the, what your champagne says about you, the Nicolas Foyette is like the one that you grab. It's like the last minute thing. It's the only thing that's cold. I actually think that's a really good grab. I do too, yeah. I think that's a great like last minute, you know, find. Usually you can find it at like the all the usual places. Yeah. I'm a big Bill Carr fan. I love Bill Carr. I think everything they do is delicious. There's a small producer called Champagne Lenoir that occasionally Wine Access has one of their cuvées that I think is phenomenal and kind of – it's a grower champagne. It's like sort of poised to uh, – to have like a very big moment mm-hmm. in the next decade or so. Yes. We're drinking a vintage champagne, which I want to call out because I think this is like one of the great hacks in life that if you're between, and I, I want to know what your hacks are for finding champagne too, like if you're standing in front of a shelf. But I think if you're standing in front of a shelf and you're between bottles and you see something that has a number on it, that has a vintage on it, like that's usually a really good indication of quality because one, you know, it was a great vintage because only champagne, oh, vintage champagnes are only produced in great vintages. But two, like, you know, it can also just mean that the wine is going to be just a little bit more special and a little bit more unique, which in champagne world, you know, a lot of the production is meant to be the same across many, many different vintages. But this is the 2017 Brunyon. So this is a Blanc de Blanc. And to me, this is like as close to Krug as you can get at like a literal quarter to third of the price. So it's got that kind of like richness to it. Like if you smell it, it has all of those like Krug biscuity notes. Like it's kind of like croissanty, but then on the palate, it's got this like really great richness to it. Well, still again, like kind of like this red wine. It's intense, but still kind of like light and ethereal. So it's lovely. I love that. That's mm. the way you described it. Just makes it sound hot. I was like, oh, this sounds so sexy. <laughs> I want this. <laughs> I want to be her. Yeah, no, it's del- it's delicious. And it's like I said, it's a vintage. And this, so this is a grower champagne. And this is uh, the Brunion we talked about on the show before, but I, I've never had their vintage cuvee of it. So this is the producer that still grows their own grapes. Um, they produce their own, own champagne as well, obviously. But they have traditionally always sold to Krug, Bollinger, Dom Perignon has been a, you know, all the, all the LVMH houses have been clients of theirs that they sold grapes to. So kind of a great value buy. And I think if you're looking for something to gift to someone that's really special that they're not going to see out in the world, this is a really good one. One, because it's vintage and two, because it's pretty unique. I am drinking this out of a 
champagne tulip. Sometimes I drink it out of a tulip. Sometimes I drink it out of a white wine glass. I'm curious as to what your glassware choice is for champagne. To be honest, I drink champagne out of literally anything. Also, I recently (laughs) moved. (laughs) I moved and some of my glassware did not uh, want to come with me. (gasps) So, (laughs) yeah. So to be honest. Like did your Riedel's? Like what broke? My champagne flutes and some of my more delicate wine glasses. Mm. So, I mean, but the tumblers survived. They are strong. (laughs) Can't kill a tumbler. Actually, I've been dying to ask you this question. I don't mean to derail us. But I've been seeing some influencer types. They're not influencers in the wine community, but they're talking about or say that their favorite drink is a La Piscine. And I'm like, uh, mm. what do you think about that? You know, it's funny. I haven't heard La Piscine in a long time, not since I worked in New York. Yeah, La Piscine, the pool. Yeah. So the La Piscine is basically champagne with like a float of sorbet. Or actually, I'm sorry, the La Piscine is champagne over ice. Yeah. And then some people will add a scoop of sorbet on top of that. My understanding is like the La Piscine exists for older bottles of champagne. Mm -hmm. So it was a way to like, if you had a bottle of champagne that like kind of went flat, like that's what the La Piscine is for. I'm kind of in favor for it. Like to me, it's just a white, it's a white wine spritzer at that point Mm because like you're not getting really any of the bubbles that's so funny. I have not seen anyone talk about the La Piscine, but it, like, it was having a moment like a decade ago and it never really – it kind of fizzled and never really happened again. So that'll be interesting to see if it comes back. You made a face like you are not having this. <laughs> I'm not having it. Well, because I love champagne yeah. so much, I don't want to water it down and I certainly don't want to put sorbet yeah. in it. But like, you know, to each their own. I enjoy affogados, so I guess it's kind of like that maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I wouldn't ruin yeah. a good bottle of champagne yeah. by putting sorbet in it. Come on. So during the holidays, we've got lots of moments for sparkling, right? We've got brunch, we've got toasting, we've got parties, we've got dinners. What are you serving at each? Because I I have different sparkling designations for each. So brunch, entertaining, dinner, cheersing. What are your four sparklings? Oh, wow. Okay. So brunch, I'm with you when you said Prosecco for brunch, I'm like 100%, yes. especially because a lot of people like to water down their Prosecco or Mm. add orange juice or make it flavored in some way, shape, or form. So I'm down for that. The Prosecco is something you mix with. I think a good brand that I shouted out that I think is super accessible that you can just pick up anywhere. I mean, La Marca. Mm -hmm. People love their La Marca Mm -hmm. and their Eggs Benny. That's right. And then for celebrating, I mean, I want the nicest thing possible. That's like your Krugs, your Crystals, your your bougie moment, right? If I'm doing champagne with dinner, what would I pick? That's such. I think it really depends on what you're eating because, I mean, I think that champagne kind of goes with everything. But I'm just that type of person. It does. I think primarily, I tend to have champagne before I eat. Do you do it with mm. dinner? I have been known to take champagne into dinner from time to time. Yes, but you know, I think from I know you're not a rosé drinker, but for me, if I'm going and if I'm having champagne with dinner, like as the wine pairing wine, that's when I move into rosé because it's got a little bit more structure to it. A lot of times it becomes more pairable. Like the Bill Carr rosé is great for Mm -hmm. that because it's not super fruity. It's actually like leans more on the savory side. The Boulanger rosé, same thing, leans more on the savory side. Like I don't want a super fruity rosé champagne, but I think if we're talking about pairing it with dinner, that's when I move to the the rosé champagne. Yeah. Or – Alternatively, we could do Lambrusco for dinner. Oh, yeah. I like that too. 
Yeah, I was thinking like a good like brute, like natural, like kind of a more like, you know, Mm -hmm. or like a Blanc de Blanc type of champagne. I think those are always really Mm -hmm. good and they're kind of, you know, I like to play it more on like the conservative side, I think like with dinner before dinner, because then you're, you know, you can share it with the food and it's not necessarily overpowering anything, but like, I don't know. I just, as a champagne fan, I just like, I don't know. I just love it. You're just here for all of it. I love I'm here it. for all of it. Champagne and Doritos tasting, yeah. pairing. Let's, I would even do that. Like, <laughs> You know what's funny? At Aspen Food and Wine, Ray Isle, who's the who's just on this previous episode, he famously does a wine and chips pairing seminar. Really? And I believe Doritos are a part of the lineup. Yeah. Oh, I need to go to so, that. So yeah, don't don't underestimate the chip. In fact, I just did a video on this. The especially with the Torres chips. Have you ever had yes, those? Yes, I love those. Yes. What's your flavor those of those, like, those that are, you like? Okay, so I go between the jamon and the black truffle. Yes. They're both delicious. I like them for different reasons. They're exceptionally good for like something that should not be as – that is like labeled as like black truffle and – by the way, it's black truffle and or jamon ibirigo. Yeah, they are. Like it's amazing how close they t- – like they taste to that and they don't taste fake. Have you had the Prosecco flavor? What? Yes. A- no. Yes, they make a Prosecco flavor chip. That brand, 100%. I tried it last week. I saw it in my local, like, line, my wine and deli store. What does it taste like? It really tastes like Prosecco, but <laughs> <gasps> yeah, it's lovely. It's fun. Blown. It's like, you know, it's a fun little moment to have. It's not my favorite flavor, though, of that particular brand. I like the okay. herb. I think the herb is really good. But yeah, next time you see oh, I don't it, think I've had the herb yet. you need to pick it up. Okay. Noted. I, I haven't tried the fried egg one, but I would be very curious about that flavor as well. Yeah. I I will say, like, do not underestimate the power of the chip, especially those chips. I have had incredible food and wine pairing moments. And I'm sure you know this. Like, the best thing that you can do with champagne is get it with fried food. That's mm. everything from French fries, potato chips, fried chicken. Like, it wants fried food so bad. So the best thing you can do if you're home on, you know, a, what's today? Tuesday? By yourself, get a bag of chips, open a bottle of champagne, have a moment to yourself, get some cheese if you're really feeling fancy because like that, oof, that will solidify your belief in whatever you believe in. That's delicious. <laughs> I love that. Amazing, amazing stuff. I highly recommend Torres potato chips, glass of champagne, make it the Brunion if you want, and uh, a slice of cheese. Speaking of cheese, we have to talk about wine and cheese pairings because this is the season that everybody loves to do wine and cheese. And this is also the season that I'm like cringing watching because I'm like, mm. oh, really? Do you have no no's? These are not. Like, these don't go together. Oh, tell me, tell me what to yes, to not do. Tell me. Okay. The brie with red wine <laughs> has to go. Okay. Why is that a they bad do, move? They do not go together. Okay. So the the rule of thumb is like for the most part, cheese really wants white wine or sparkling wine. Cheese. You may not know this. Maybe your stomach knows this and you don't know this. Cheese is incredibly high in acidity. And so the rule of thumb when you're pairing wine and food is that you want your wine to be as high in acid or higher than the food you're pairing it with, which means if cheese is like on the highest end of the spectrum, you need something like a high acid white wine or a champagne, which is the highest acid you can get in any wine to pair with it. Red wines usually peak at medium acidity. Usually they're closer to low acidity Mm -hmm. unless you're talking about like something crazy. So for the most part, 
cheese does not work with red wine. There's also the tanning component that makes it not work as well. The other thing that makes it not work is the fact that you've got this like ooey gooey cheese that's like super savory and super funky (laughs) trying to compete with like all of these other flavors that are going in a, on in a red wine and it just doesn't work. Like it's just wrong in every way. So if you're going to pair red wine, you really want to stick to harder aged cheeses. So like your Comte, any cheese that's got like kind of those like salty crystals to it, anything that you could grate is a good cheese to go with red wine. Anything mm. that's ooey and gooey, that's got a softer rind, any fresh cheeses, you definitely want to stay in the white wine or sparkling realm for that. Oh, wow. I'm learning. You just – shamed 20 year old Aaron. Cause that's like all I did. I would go to Trader Joe's, get a block of brie, get some like apricot jam, put it in the oven, like a baguette and like pour myself some red yeah, wine. Well, that's delicious. That was honestly how I survived. I, I would I mean, be dead without that Trader Joe's brie, you know? <laughs> that Trader Joe's brie is good. No, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid brie. Listen, I'm not going to, sh- I'm not here to shame anyone. I'm never here to shame anyone, but like we can do better. Right? <laughs> yeah. And we can, can do better. The more, you know, can I ask for your opinion on um, what you would pair with a specific cheese? Yes. I guess this will only work if you've had it, but are you familiar with Humboldt Fog? That's my favorite cheese. I sure I sure am. I love the <laughs> Humboldt so Fog. It's so good, right? It's, it's, a t- it's a top five cheese. Yeah, it's delicious. A classic of California. Yeah. It's a little bit of a weird one because you've got – there's a lot going on in mm-hmm. that. Okay, so the Humboldt Fog is like a – it's a mix of like your goat cheese and then you've got like a layer of that like kind of blue rind in there. Ooh, the Humboldt Fog. I actually go with your favorite on this one. I go with Grenache. Oh, yeah. I know that I just said don't do red wine with cheese. But I actually think this is a cheese that can work with red wine. Mm -hmm. I think maybe like the Booker Grenache is maybe too big, but the Law Grenache, which is not quite as big as – I think usually not as big as the Booker. You want a Grenache that still has a little bit of acidity to it. I think Grenache works really well. Grenache is a low tannin grape just like Pinot is. So if you're thinking on like the low tannin side, that's kind of where you want to be. Rosé as well. I mean, rosé is always a great – rosé champagne, still rosé, but – yeah, I'm good with that. I love I love that you love Humboldt Fog. Yeah, it's that, that cheese is delicious. So and I good. I miss it out here. I don't you don't see it as much. Like you could go to your I'm living in Pennsylvania now. You could go to your grocery store in California and everybody had Humboldt Fog, but they don't have it so much here. They don't. Oh. I know. The other rule of thumb is the what grows together goes together rule. Mm-hmm. If you're eating a cheese from a specific region, just Google like what wine is famous in that same region. And that's usually the, the perfect pairing for it. So if it's the Loire Valley and you're drinking, you're eating like some Chev from the Loire Valley, like that's a good cue to drink some Sancerre or or like a Cabernet Franc or something like that. That sounds so good. I love a Sancerre. Those are easy rules to live by. Yes. Yes, we love Sancerre. Have you had Poifume though? I have not. Yeah, this is your this is your tip, right? So you love Sancerre, but Sancerre has gotten really expensive mm-hmm. and it's harder to find. Right across the river is Poifume. And it's usually about half the price. He's just like Sancerre. Okay, that's a good hack. That's a good holiday hack too. Yeah, yeah. Rui as well. R-E-U-I-L-L-Y. Rui is another another good one. Okay. Wine Access has these from time to time. We've had them on the, on the podcast before. So if you still have a few shipments that you haven't dug into, both a Poifume and a Rui has been part of it. Because I'm actually not the biggest fan of, of Sauvignon Blanc, but I love Sauvignon Blanc from Loire Valley. Mm-hmm. And I love these little like pockets where you can find like really minerally, sometimes textured Sauvignon Blancs. Okay. So we're getting towards the end of things. We've talked about all things sparkling. 
We've talked about how to serve wine and cheese. We've talked about glassware. I need to know about what your champagne says about you. And I need to know if there's going to be another installment <laughs> and what champagnes are going to be on the installment so I can be on the lookout. You know what? I absolutely need to make more videos. I need to go back and reference and see what brands I've excluded, but there's a lot that I need to continue on. Um, have a, you know. I need a grower champagne edition. Oh, yeah. What should be on that list? Um, well, the Pierre Peters, mm-hmm. obviously. And it obviously says that you are a blonde podcast host who <laughs> thinks she probably talks too much around <laughs> podcast. The Lanois would be a, a favorite of mine. Also, Le Herit Frere, another delicious one. Ooh, okay. Yeah, there's so many. Good, so good. Many. I need to do that. We love – are you a fan of grower champagnes? You know what? I'm not super, super familiar with a lot of them, but the Lanois, I'm a okay. K&L shopper and fan because, oh, I mean, they're okay. in LA. It's really close to where I live. Yeah. And they love Lanois. So I know I need to pack – I need to pick some love up it. for sure. It's one of their recommendations. Okay. Where can people find you drinking champagne and not drinking champagne on the internets? You guys can find me on Instagram at darling with four H's. So it's D-A-H-H-H-H-L-I-N-G. And um, I'm also there on TikTok, but TikTok is kind of a mixed bag. I do a lot of different types of content there, not necessarily all wine. But yes, be on the lookout. I will be making more videos. And I think, you know, I really need to make some about what your red wine says about you. Yes. Yeah. What would be on there? Is Camus is on there? Silver Oak is on there? For sure. Diamond Creek. You got to do a California edition. I know. There's so many. Ridge. I love Ridge. I don't know. I think there's a lot of one that I got to put on there, but I I like grew up drinking reds before I got into champagne. So I think it's time for me to come for the reds, you know? (laughs) Get ready. Darling, she's out for the red wine. Napa Valley, be on the lookout. Paso, I think you're in good, you're in good hands. There's there's no bad reviews coming out of Paso. I love Paso. Yeah. I, I love Napa too, obviously, with their free years. But. For sure. Well, I wish you an amazing holiday filled with all the bubbles. Hopefully Aww. mostly champagne, unless you're having brunch, in which case it's Prosecco. <laughs> and uh I hope all of you listening are drinking something delicious this holiday season. And let that be your takeaway. Screw the pairings. Ignore everything that I just said. Drink what is delicious to you. Drink what is delicious to your guests. If they want red wine and brie, you should do that. (laughs) It's true though. Like at the end of the day, like none of this matters. Like if you hate white wine, then don't drink it with cheese. It may make you like it, but drink what you like. That's the name of the game always. So I wish you all a great holiday season. I will see you after the new year. And uh, very close to my 37th birthday. God help me. I'll definitely need champagne for that Happy one. Happy birthday. Woo. Oh, thanks. All right. Thank you, Erin. We'll see you soon. All of her links are below, as well as the link to join the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast Wine Club. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.